Morning. Right. So this morning, uh, for the for the entire service this morning, we're going to be looking at the topic of prayer. We're going to be discussing prayer. Um, we're going to be praying a little bit as uh, later in the service we were o- already opened with prayer with a beautiful uh, Lord's Prayer rendition. Um, and so we're going to take a look at prayer today. Now, prayer is one of those things that I think all of us know uh, know about. Obviously, um, if you're if you've been in the church for for even a little while, you know that prayer is a thing. Prayer is a thing in all religions, all over the place. Prayer is mentioned in the Bible a ton of times. Um, it's a huge deal in the Bible. There are so many passages encouraging us to pray. There are passages commanding us to pray or recommending that we pray or even pleading with us to pray. There are so many passages on prayer in the Bible that we would assume that we as a church at Ivanrest or we as a church universal would have a more unified and complete understanding of prayer. But if you take a look around, that, that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, even here, I've, I've talked with a lot of you, I've, I've prayed with a lot of you. Uh, some of you love to pray. You pray all the time. It's something that you do daily. It's something that is just part of who you are. And others of us struggle to even pray for a couple minutes a day. And that's not a criticism. It's just, it's just the reality of, of what it is. Some of you think of prayer all the time. Others of you don't really understand it at all. Some of you find prayer to be an essential part of your day. It's something that you have to do right when you wake up or or you just feel off. Others of you find it as a chore, as as a discipline, as something you need to do to get checked off a list uh, so that you can keep going on. There are so many different approaches, different ideas, different ways that we come to pray. And so the question that we're going to ask today is, what is the right way to pray? How do we do it? And so as I approached this topic, I I struggled a bit, actually, on how I should come at it. Uh, there are, if you were to do a quick Amazon search on just type in pr- books on prayer, you'll find thousands of books on prayer. Thousands of them, tons of them. They're all over the place. Uh, each one approaches prayer a little bit differently. Some of the books have formulas and recommendations on how we ought to pray. Uh, one of those formulas you probably, most of you are probably familiar with. How many of you are familiar with the acronym ACTS and how to pray? Adoration, confession, thanks, and supplication, Right? Some of you were taught that as a kid. It's a formula of how we ought to pray. Some books approach prayer that way. Other books approach it from a a completely different way. It's it's more meditative or or contemplative or or things like that. And so when we, I did a quick 15-minute search as well through the books that I have in my office and then an online search as well. And in that quick little search, I found 31 different kinds of prayer. There's the list that I did in 15 minutes. Now, if I had kept going, my guess is that list would have been a lot longer. Each of those has biblical support for why you ought to pray that way. If you just look up there quickly, you have things like simple prayer, you have prayers for lament, uh, formative prayer, covenant prayer, listening prayer, prayer of the heart, personal prayer, corporate prayer, prayer of confession, the Lord's prayer, prayers for salvation or wisdom or all these different things, and it can go on and on and on. So just in 15 minutes, we found 31 different ways to pray. So for being such an important thing, there isn't a consensus within the church on what prayer should look like or how to pray properly, just as it is with the people in this church. So then I thought, okay, maybe we need to cut out all of the commentary, all of these lists here, and just go right back to the Bible and just use that, just the source material. 
that surely the Bible will tell us exactly how to pray. Now, the interesting thing that is, though, when you search through the Bible, like I said already, there are lots and lots and lots of passages on prayer. They, they, offer you, uh, they offer you situations in which you, the Bible offers you situations in which to pray, suggests things to focus on while praying. It suggests uh, things to, to pray for, but it really doesn't spend all that much time telling you how to specifically pray in those situations. Now, it gives general instructions. It says pray with gratitude, pray unceasingly, give thanks or ask God. But there really isn't a formula or a concrete structure on exactly how one ought to pray. So the question that we're asking today isn't even new. Actually, it's a question that's explicitly asked in the Bible. The disciples themselves asked it. They had read through the Old Testament. They saw that they were encouraged to pray, that they ought to pray. The, the prophets encouraged them to pray. The, the Psalms encourages, encouraged them to pray. But they still came to Jesus and said, hey, how do we do this prayer thing? Now, my guess is, and, and this is the way I sometimes have felt about it too, my guess is that Jesus' answer to that question of how they ought to pray was a little frustrating. Let me explain what I mean. The disciples had been encouraged to pray, but so they were probably looking for a practice or a systematic kind of answer or a formula. They had the Old Testament, and so they knew that they ought to pray, but they needed to know instructions of how, a detail of, um, or sorry, a, um, I lost my word, uh, a formula, I guess, of how to pray. But instead, Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the Lord's Prayer. It's beautiful. It's deep. It has such rich and beautiful meaning. But when it comes to the nuts and bolts of how to pray, it's, just, it's surprisingly sparse. Now, I brought these two books with me this morning. These are two books from my office that are both on the how to pray. How do we pray? It's a, it's a little under 700 pages trying to describe, lay out how one ought to pray. My guess is when the disciples were asking Jesus, how ought we pray, they were thinking more like this. Right? Give, us, give us the breakdown of how this thing ought to work. And instead, they get about a paragraph and a half. So compared to the, the books that we write on prayer, Jesus' words lack a little bit of page time. So unfortunately, that leaves us right where we began. We struggle still with understanding how we ought to pray. And so then it leaves us with one option. We know that the Bible is the ultimate authority, which means that Jesus' couple paragraphs have more weight and meaning than these 700 pages. So we have to ask ourselves, why would Jesus be so brief? And I think as we slow down, and as we take all of the passages in the Bible as a whole, and we think about how they approach prayer, we begin to realize something. It starts to become clear that the how of prayer in the Bible, which is what we've been looking for so far, is vastly overshadowed by the why of prayer in the Bible. The how of prayer in the Bible, how we specifically ought to do it, is vastly overshadowed by the why of prayer. Which brings us to a new question then. Why do we pray? Now we could do another search through the Bible to answer that question, and we'll find things like this. Uh, we pray to thank God. We pray to make requests of God. We pray for wisdom. We, create, we pray to gain perspective on who God is. We pray for understanding of God's will in our lives. And we can keep going on with that as well. There are many, many examples in the Bible of why to pray with more specific examples. 
But there's one thing in all of those examples that ties them all together. There's one thing that unites them. And that's this. We pray to build a relationship with God. Prayer is only about all of those other things that I listed as much as it relates to our growing relationship with God. So the simplest answer is why do we pray? We pray to be with God. But that still leaves us with a very practical problem, doesn't it? Doesn't it? If we pray to build a relationship with God, we still need to understand how to do that well. And so today, as we, as we try to figure out how to pray, I really want to focus on two different things. Now, these aren't, every, these aren't all inclusive. There are other things that, can, that are included in the how of prayer. But today, I just want to focus on these two. Because the way we pray, how we pray, is very much related to those two things. Oh, wait, they're not up there yet. They will be up there in a minute. How we pray is influenced by who God made us to be and the situation we find ourselves in. And those are what I want to focus on this morning. How we pray is influenced by who God made us to be and the situation that we find ourselves in. Now, it would be a little strange for me to build a formula now on those two things after we've spent the whole morning talking about how the Bible hasn't given us one. So what I want to do is I want to try something a little bit different. Now, this might be a little bit stretching for some of you, and I want to just ask you to give it a shot, to stick with it, to see how it, how it goes, uh, to try it out and see what happens. We're, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a piece of Scripture this morning, and we're actually going to pray over it. We're just going to ask God to speak through His Word. We're going to, we're going to ask, the Bible tells us that, that, that God gave us the words of the Bible and that He... That he uh, that he communicates with us through it. So we're going to pray over a section of Scripture. Now, for those of you who don't like the unknown, uh, let me quickly explain how this is going to work. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage. It's going to be from Philippians. I'm going to read that passage, and I'm going to ask you at the end of that reading to just reflect on it for 30 seconds. Now, for some of you, 30 seconds is going to feel like an eternity. I get that. That's a long time to be silent. Uh, but I want to just encourage you to stick it out. If, yeah. Now, you don't have to stick it out. You can stick it out in whatever way that you feel comfortable. If you feel like you want to close your eyes, do that. If you want to pray that way. If you feel like you've got a right, do that. If you feel like you just want to keep looking at the words, they'll be on the screen. Or if you want to look at them in your Bible, do that. Read the passage over again, maybe. Do whatever you have to do to make yourselves feel comfortable, but try to rest within the, the passage of Scripture for the entire 30 seconds. What we'll do is we'll reflect on that. Then I'm going to teach a little bit on the passage. Then I'll read it a second time. And we'll reflect again for 30 seconds. Then I'll teach a little bit more, and I'll do it a third time with a third reflection, and then we'll close. So like I said, that's not normally the way we do things, so I want to challenge you to just try and do it in the way that, that, that makes you the most comfortable. So are we ready? All right, let's turn in, the, turn in your Bibles to Philippians 4, verse 4. It'll be up here on the screen too, but it might be good to have it in front of you. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Philippians 4, verse 4. All right. Pray before I read it. Father God, thank you for the morning that you've given us so far. Thank you for meeting us when we pray. Lord, as we approach your scripture now, I just pray that you speak to each of us through it, that you reveal in scripture what, 
uh, what you have to speak to each of us so that the words that you, that you inspired so long ago may speak into our souls again today. Philippians 4, verse 4, says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, I don't know what that experience was like for you. I've prayed with many different types of people, and, and what's so fascinating to me is how each of them experience prayer a little bit differently. Now, each of you probably also experienced the last 30 seconds differently because each of you experienced, the, experienced those seconds relative to who you are or relative to who God created you to be. Let me explain. Some of you, as we read through the verses, you paid very close attention to the words of the passage, the actual words written down. What you were searching for was the meaning, was those words meaning in your life. You were searching to find the depth in each word, trying to understand how Paul, writing in a context a thousand plus years removed from our context, is relevant to you today. As you approach that passage, for you in prayer, you search to discover a new truth or an insight or a revelation into the nature of God or his will for you in your life right out of the exact words of Scripture. That's how God made you to be. And the best part is that when you find those things, and maybe you experienced it this morning or maybe you experienced them in different places, when you find those new revelations, it brings you life. It's encouraging to you. It's that when you get those aha moments of, well, that's the way this thing's supposed to work, it's something that gives you life and assurance in your faith. You pray that God will help you understand the Bible in a very factual or intellectual way, in a way that you can articulate in logical or concrete ways. Essentially, you pray to meet God through your understanding of him and his word. And that's great. But some of you were listening to that and go, that wasn't me at all. Others of you approach the scripture entirely differently. As you listen to the passage, you focus very little on the individual words. But we're instead searching for some kind of comfort or inspiration or encouragement or a phrase that just reminds you that God cares about you and is with you now. 
Because you're different than those we described above. You don't approach the text seeking its historical context. Or you have no desire to parse the words or understand them in their Greek. You approach, it to, you approach the text seeking to hear God's voice for you today. You're seeking to feel his presence in your life. When you pray, you strive to meet God through your experience of him. And you strive to feel his presence through your prayer. Now, some of you are hearing that and you go, I'm neither of those. That doesn't describe me at all. Others of you are still different still. Perhaps you don't primarily look for the words or the context. You don't look first to your experience or your emotions. Instead, maybe you listen to this passage seeking its interconnectedness with everything else around you. Perhaps as you listened for God's voice through through, through his word, other passages popped into your mind. Maybe a song or a picture or a landscape. Maybe your children came into your head or your parents or your friends. You see, you approach the text in prayer seeking its peace in the grand creation story that's been playing itself out for the last few thousands of years. You pray to meet God through his bigness and power. Each of these kinds of people approach prayer, the how of prayer, differently. And honestly, I could keep listing different approaches forever. You may be one of the ones I just listed off, or you may, you may be some variety of them mixed together, or you may be somebody who's completely different than all of them. But that's the beauty of how God made us. God made each of us differently. He gave each of us skills, perspectives, and tendencies, and each of them is critically important for, to... Uh, Critically important to, the health, to a healthy body of believers. If you're one of the people who approaches prayer from an intellectual perspective, that's fantastic. We need you in the church. When you get the revelations that you're seeking for, share them with us. Because there are people around you who don't see things the way that you see them. Who can't see things the way that you see them, but would greatly appreciate your insight. And that would encourage them in their faith. If you approach prayer from a primarily intellectual or sorry, emotional perspective, that's also fantastic. We need you in the church as well. Share your experiences with us. Challenge us. Encourage us. Comfort us. Help remind those of us who are up in our heads what it feels like to experience God in our hearts. If you approach prayer from any other variation, that's also fantastic. We also need you in the church. Show us what you see. Show us how it all fits together in the symphony God intended it to be. Share your unique perspectives and passions with us. Play your part in the beautiful mosaic that is church. You see, all of these perspectives play a part in the greater church body, and yet they all approach the how of prayer differently which goes back to what we already talked about. The why of prayer is far more important than the how. You see, if prayer is meant for us to be in relationship with our creator, then God wants to be in relationship with you in the way that he created you to be. If God made you a primary thinker, he wants to think with you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to give you insight and understanding. So pray continuously for that understanding. 
If God made you a primary feeler, God wants you to experience him. He wants, you to, he wants to feel with you. He wants you to experience him and share those experiences with others. So pray continuously for God's presence in your life. God tells us to pray so that he can interact with us in the way he made each of us to be. Now surely he's going to continually prompt us to grow in the areas in which we are weak. But he gave us our skills and perspectives on purpose. He made each of us differently, and the beauty of it is that he is big enough to interact with each of us differently in the way that best fits the unique way he desired each of us to be. The Bible is slow to give us a formula on how to pray because God knows that each of us approach prayer differently because each of us approach relationships differently. So as you pray, as you search for the how of prayer, care less about the method you're using being right or wrong and care more about whether or not it grows you in your relationship with the Almighty. Try different methods or practices. And trust me, there are enough varieties out there to keep you trying fresh things for a long time. But find the one that works best for you. Find the one that aligns with the way that God made you to be. Find the one that best brings you into the presence of God your Father and choose the one that helps you grow in your relationship with God because God desires to be with you in the way he made you to be. So now, we're going to read the passage again. We're going to reflect on it again. Now this second time, don't try to do this thing right. Don't, don't try to figure out the formula of how this is supposed to work. Just approach the text through prayer in the way that feels best. Let God speak to you through his word in the way he created you to be. If that means breaking down the words, do that. If it just means resting for God's presence, do that. If it means anything else, do that. But seek to find God through it. So let's read the passage again. Pray with me. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you.
Now, each of you approached this prayer a little differently because of the way God made you to be. But each of you also approached this prayer differently because of the situation you find yourself in in the moment. You see, some of you right now are going through a time in your life in which things are coming together and honestly couldn't be much better for you. As you look around, it's just everything is working out the way it ought to be. So for you, as you approach this passage, the, the rejoice in the Lord's always point part just jumped right out at you. It, those words just seem to come right off the page because right now where you are, rejoicing comes easy. This passage was a great reminder for you to give thanks for the good things in your life, to keep a constant perspective on God's goodness, not only in the bad times, which sometimes we only go to God when things are bad, but also when things are good, to rejoice in the Lord always. You read this passage and you appreciated the challenge that comes in the next couple of verses, to not be anxious about anything. Because honestly, your anxiety is minor compared to the blessings in your life right now. And it totally makes sense for you to, for in verse 9, that the God of peace would be with you because that's the life situation that you find yourself in. Your life situation has changed the way you prayed over the passage. For you, this was a prayer of thanksgiving. It was a prayer that, that, it's, that encouraged you, that inspired you, because you're in a great spot. And so how you prayed it was that way. But for others of you, that's not the case. For others of you, your life is not turning up roses right now. Things are hard. Relationships are strained. You're hurting and you don't understand exactly why. For you, the word anxious jumped right off the page at you. To rejoice always seems like a stretch because honestly, it would probably be a big challenge for you to even rejoice temporarily. As you approach the passage, the first few verses were difficult to even make it through. But you prayed over verses 6 and 7, hoping that they may actually be true. That through prayer and petition, there may actually be a peace that passes understanding. Because honestly, for you, it would seem like it would need to be a supernatural thing to be true. Your life situation has changed the way you pray over this passage. Your prayer was not one of thanksgiving. It was one hoping for deliverance or hoping for perseverance or hoping that God may keep his promises here. Now, still others of you, it was different yet. For others of you, your life has become stagnant. You're not at the top of the mountain, but you're a long ways away from the bottom kind of just feels like you're going through the motions. So for you, as you approach this passage, verses 8 and 9 jumped out at you. You realize that there are a lot of things in your life right now that could be put into practice, that could challenge you to grow in a different way, that could challenge you to serve in a different way, that could prompt you to actually fix that broken relationship or forgive that person you've been holding a grudge against. You were inspired by the end of this passage to do something differently or better because you know that at the end of that passage that the God of peace will be with you. Your life situation has affected how you prayed over this passage. Your prayer was one of more of asking God what's next or what's his will in your life or what does he want you to grow in. Now, perhaps these examples applied to you, or perhaps you pull out something completely different. You, you, may have, you may have took hope from God just being with you, 
or you were challenged to let your gentleness be evident to all, or you were able to cast your cares of God and actually experience his peace, or regained a thankful heart. How you prayed over this passage was influenced by what's going on in your life and the situation that you find yourself in, and that is a good thing. Because as we've been saying this whole time, prayer is about building a relationship with God. Prayer is for us to draw near to God, to invite him into our life in real time, to invite him into our life situations. If we're rejoicing, we pray to bring God into our rejoicing with us so that he can rejoice alongside of us. If we're in pain, we pray, to, we pray so that God can hold us through our pain. If we're seeking his direction or his challenge, we pray to have him show us the way. Or perhaps we even pray for him to give us a holy kick in the bottom, to get us moving. Prayer is not meant to be a burden that we need to get done so God isn't upset with us. It's meant to be a meeting with our creator in our lives in real time. It's an opportunity for us to interact with God in a one-on-one conversation, even if we're praying collectively. You see, as we pray, we invite the infinite God of the universe, the one who existed before time, the one who actually holds the very fabric of time in his hands, intimately into our situation. Not because we have to, not because it's something that we need to check off our list, but because it's something that he actually wants to do with us. Because God wants to be near you. God wants to be in the situation with you. He wants to be with you in the way he created you to be and walk with you through whatever you're going through. So now we're going to read the passage for a final time. But before I do, I want to leave you with just one challenge. We've talked a lot about prayer, and honestly, we've given some structure on how, but it's a lot, most of it's up to you. So I want to challenge you to find a way to pray that fits you and who God made you to be in the situation that you're in. And like Bill Heibel says, you're too busy not to. You see, the God who created you desperately desires to be in relationship with you, to walk alongside of you, to speak to you in the way he created you to be. Now, if the practice that we did this morning, the reading of Scripture three times and reflecting on it, is helpful for you, use that. If you, find it, if you found it to be more difficult or distracting, that's fine too. Then find something else that works for you. Find something that draws you into relationship with God, that encourages you to grow closer to him in your, real, in your real-time situation in the way that God made you to be. So as we approach the scripture for the final time right now, let God speak to you through his words. Let him speak into your life in the unique way that he has chosen for you. Pray over it one more time. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you.